Uh, I was, um, I'm so happy to hear about the Worship Academy. Um, you know, this church is blessed. We've got an incredible special worship team. Um, and um, if, I, if I hear Gerben saying, you're searching the scriptures for worship and, and just what worship means, what an incredible thing. I don't know many, I don't know many churches that actually does it. Um, actually searching scripture to hear what is God really saying about worship. Um, that means that our worship in this church is based on the word. And you could hear it from every song that we sang. I could quote the scripture from every song that was sang. That was sung. And I, I'm, I'm just blessed by that. That alone was an incredible blessing just to me. So needless to say, tonight I want to speak about the Bible. Louis spoke this morning about um, uh, just the map, uh, the, that, the, that the Word of God is like a map, a compass, 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 compost. Why not? <laughs> you see, we, we approach the Bible like that. We make it say whatever we want. <clears throat> but my, if I have to give a, if I have to say what, what my sermon is all about, it's about um, Psalm 119, verse 105. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. This is actually a very interesting scripture because um, the Roman soldiers would have um, shoes, sandals, that would have a space for a candle. Um, so that when they walk in the dark, that there's actually a, a light and now I can't figure it out how they didn't just light up the whole place. But, um, but that's what they, they had these lamps that was, that was stuck to their shoes so that when they walk, they could see in front of them. And so when, when the psalmist says this, and, and again, in the New Testament, that is what they're talking about. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. Because that's how they saw in ancient battles as well. So I just love, I love that, that um, scripture. So a while ago, I was speaking at a ladies' conference. And um, I was mentioning one of my favorite scriptures, which is the one about Daniel's friends in the fiery furnace. Um, you know, and I was just talking about the story. And I was just passionately sharing the story. And, and afterwards... Um, one of my friends came to me, and she had a, she brought a friend. This is a young adult, young girl. Uh, she she came to the to the ladies' morning. She grew up in a Christian home since birth, and she said to my to my friend, "Is that story in the Bible?" Now you would think that you would even hear it at Sunday school, you know, um, but but you know that kind of thing happens. We, we just, I just realized that people just don't read their Bibles anymore. Am I right? Now, I'm very serious about this because you've got to know that the church, the universal church is in trouble at the moment. It is in trouble because it's believing all kinds of rubbish. It's doing all kinds of things. The church in South Africa we have all kinds of theology that's going all over the place, making a lot of trouble, even on the news. And one of the things why it's happening is because people don't even read their Bibles anymore. 
We got to get back to the word. Amen. Come on. I like, I like feedback. Say that. I was in America a while ago in a Pentecostal kind of setting. Man, can I tell you how those people respond? If the preacher says anything good, they jump up. They like, right there, they jump up. They like this. Mm-mm. Then they like this. And if he really says something good, they turn around. And if he's really good, they run to the stage and they high five him. So come on. <laughs> I had another conversation with a lady just in the week. She also grew up in a Christian home. And um, she, she says she was part of the youth, she was part of the young adults, but nowhere did anybody teach her that she's not supposed to sleep around before marriage. That shows that she never even read her Bible, because you just have to read your Bible. It's pretty clear in the Bible. Am I right? So we have young people walking around with all kinds of weird and wonderful questions, but if they just read the Bible, it's pretty clear. There's a lot of things that's clear in the Bible, but we're walking around with a lukewarm Christianity. And what does God say? You are either hot or cold, but if you're lukewarm, I will spew you out of my mouth. The church is lukewarm. We're doing a form. We have a form of godliness. We pretend. We have incredible worship that's all over the place, but it's just an emotional reaction without a rootedness in the word. And people are addicted to that. But their lives, is in, their lives are in chaos. Because if I really dig into the word, it will change my life. It will ch- I grew up very, in a very broken home. But the word of God fixed me. It fixed me. That's all I can say. If I think back of the, of the moments that God would lead me to Scripture, and as I meditate on that, how it would change my heart, my, my understanding of the Father heart. Brian was just saying how they were ministering at a ladies' conference. I don't know what Brian does at a ladies' conference, but you know. <laughs> But on the Father heart of God, man, that was the biggest revelation. And Father is said all over the place in the Bible. That changed my life forever. The Bible is one of the primary ways that God speaks to you. Let me say it a different way. That whatever God says to you has to be rooted in the Bible. Whatever word or whatever anybody preaches or prophetically speaks over you, it has to be rooted. The principles has to be rooted in the Bible. The Lord does not speak outside of the Bible. He speaks what is in the word because the word of God tells us who God is. But why don't we come to the Word? You know, when we come to the Word of God, it's like a mirror. <laughs> it convicts you, man. You stand in front of the... You, you, love your enemies. Why do you want to love your enemies? 
There's a reason why it's called enemies. So if I read Romans 12, and I just had a tough time or confrontational time, and it says, love your enemies, man, mm, mm. <laughs> You see, my emotions wants to go buy a shotgun and at least just shoot a few holes into that person. But the Bible says, love your enemies. And that changes my behavior because it changes my heart. Now, the Bible tells us who God is, and it also tells us who we are. But we're walking around today with a world that is in such an identity crisis. And I'm not just talking about non-Christians. I'm talking about the church. I'm talking about Christians. You know, 90% of the time, the devil will either attack your who God is. Let me, let me, let me, let me. Let me, when, what is all the questions that's out there? If God is love, why would? If God is everywhere, how could? Because we don't know who God is. That's all the questions that's out there, all over the place. You can open, just research God on, on YouTube. You'll see all the apologetic kind of questions that's out there. And then about who we are, 90% of the time, either God or your, your issues will be rooted in identity. Since I came to this church, the prophetic words that the Lord especially spoke over the ladies had to do with, I'm restoring your identity. I was like, what is the Lord on about? And I realized that we are made in the image of Christ. And the devil hates that. He hates that. <laughs> you must do it in the morning service for Luke. You will laugh, I promise you. You are made in the image of Christ. If you are building your identity on anything else. When I went through a complete, I, I, I grew up really in a broken home. I did LTS. I thought it was a leadership development school. <laughs> That's how I came into LTS. And in my time, LTS was still a month, morning, afternoon, evening. By the end of the first week, I was so undone. I just, I was completely broken. Because I never even knew there was something like inner healing. And I bumped into the Father heart of God. And after that LTS, I was in a complete identity crisis. You know why? Because I built my whole life with so much walls around me. That my identity was found in my walls. In protecting myself. Mrs. Stuff, I was the personified. And when God broke down those walls, I did not know who I was. And then I went to the scriptures. I'm made in the image of Christ. I'm fearfully, I'm wonderfully made. He has knitted me together in my mother's womb. I am the apple 
of his eye. And nothing, nobody ever could say in this world will ever change that. Because that's what the word says. I once went to a youth camp and we, we prayed right through the night for the youth. And I was irritated because the one person that was speaking to the youth on identity was saying, just look in the mirror. The lady had red ears. She said, look in the mirror and say, I'm pretty, I'm pretty, I'm pretty, I'm pretty. How long do you think that's going to last? Until you're not. Until you're not. What if something happens and you're not? You see, we cannot build our lives, our identity, or who God is on what society thinks about us. On positive confession, which is very popular, we cannot build our image on that. It's got to be rooted in the word. Why? Because I will, that is when I become like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken but endures forever. I want to be unshakable. In the days that we live in, we need people, we need Christians to be unshakable. Amen. Amen. You see, if we have a bad image of God, when the whole church and because we're not reading our Bibles, and, and everybody is saying, we're trusting the Lord, or I'm getting sick. I'm going to have faith, because I'm going to trust the Lord that He's going to heal me, but I'm not rooted in the Word of God. See, this is the problem. If I do not have faith, it is because I have a trust issue. And if I have a trust issue, because I have a wrong view of who God is. Think about it. If I have a faith issue, it's because I have a trust issue. Because faith is trusting. It's not just trusting, it is trusting in a person. It is trusting in the God who made everything, who is your father. And if I get healed or not, that's, that's, not, that's not the important thing. It is that he will be with me doesn't matter what I go through. In the valley of the shadow of death, he will be with me. So if we have faith issues, it's because we have trust issues. If we have trust issues, it's because our view of God is distorted. And our view of God is distorted because we are not reading our Bibles. And because our image of God is all distorted, our motives is wrong. So we pray, do all the Christian things. When we don't know the word, we come with wrong motives. So it's not just about reading the Bible. It is about studying the Bible. It's about studying the word of God. We look at the world through our subjective lenses. We look at the word with subjective lenses. 
We, we read the scripture and then we immediately apply it. Or like Louis said this morning, we play Bible roulette. And I'm not saying God's never used that because God is bigger. He's bigger than everything. So, so he sometimes uses it. But man, that is dangerous. So we got to, you, you can play Bible roulette if you understand what that scripture actually means that you're putting your finger on. Bible is written in Greek, in ancient Greek. You cannot read a language without context. You got to understand the context it's written in, who it was written for. Why was it written before you apply it to your life? Because I promise you, then you will get the real honey out of the word. The real honey out of the word. And that revelation, man, there is nothing. If I read, count it be a joy when I go through trials and tribulations, or if I read Philippians and it says, you know, count it be a joy when I go through all of, we count it all joy when we go through tribulations and trials. I'm like, what? That's, that's nice. And if I read rejoice in the Lord, and again I say rejoice, and then I read later on in Philippians, um, I have learned what it is to have a lot and not have a lot, and I've learned the secret of being content. And that's all, wow, that's poetic, it's beautiful. But if I know that Paul was in prison, if I know that he was old and sick and lonely, because only Luke came to visit him. If I know that about Paul, that he's awaiting trial to be persecuted. Then, if he says, rejoice in the Lord, and again I say rejoice, it makes me hungry. Because I want to know where does he get that attitude from? Where does he get it from? So it's so worthwhile just to study the word. There's this interesting scripture in Jeremiah 23, 36 that I want to read to you. Jeremiah 23, 36. For you will no longer remember the oracle of the Lord, because every man's own word will become the oracle. And you have perverted the word of the living God the Lord of hosts, our God. See, God was speaking. And people weren't listening. I didn't care what God was saying. And every person started reading their own word, their own understanding of reality as if it was the word of God. Instead of asking what God was saying and what God was communicating in the context of history, I cannot make the scripture mean what I want it to mean. I cannot make the scripture to mean what I want it to mean. I cannot make the scripture to mean something that it doesn't mean. That is why I cannot play Bible roulette like that. And just interpret without studying it. Because then I'm taking that scripture and I'm applying it into a situation that maybe it was never 
Th that principle does not work in that situation. I cannot make the scripture mean anything that it was not supposed to mean. That is why I have to study the word of God. The principle is this. The text cannot mean what it never meant. If a text can mean anything, then it doesn't mean anything. If it means whatever I want it to say, then it doesn't have any specific meaning at all. And it won't have any authority in your life. Can I say that again? Come on, close your eyes. Close your eyes. The principle is this, the text cannot mean what it never meant. If a text can mean anything, then it doesn't mean anything. If it means whatever I wanted to say, then it doesn't have any specific meaning at all. And it won't have any authority in your life. So I work in community development as well, and um, in one of the rural areas, I started a discovery group, and a discovery group is where you read the Bible and you ask two questions, and you say, um, what does it mean, what, what, what are you learning from God, and what are you learning about man? So you ask those two questions. So we were reading the story about the covenant and Abraham making the covenant. So I'm so excited because it's such a powerful story. And, you know, we build our lives on a covenant relationship with Jesus. And, 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 and as I was asking these girls, you know, what, what are you learning about God? They were just like, was there birds flying over, over the sacrifice? I'm like, what? See, there was birds flying over the sacrifice. And you know what? Because those birds flew over the sacrifice, when Sarah and Abram, Sarah had, Abram had to lie about Sarah, she was not, she had to submit. I was like, what are you talking about? And then I realized they took their culture and their synchronistic way of thinking and they were applying it in the scripture. That interesting. The same group, I, I, I let them read, and then I come back, and then I ask questions. And, and, they, and then we were reading the story about John the Baptist, and this is an amazing story and, and in Mark. And, and as we were reading, and I came back, and I thought, oh, I'm ready. They're going to ask me all these theological questions. I'm so excited about it. And all they wanted to know is, where's the head of John the Baptist? I'm like, this is what you're getting out of this story? Where's the head of John the Baptist? You see, because they were bringing their culture into Scripture, and superstitiously, that meant something. The head and the body, is it at the same place? Look, you're missing so much. I don't know where the head is. doesn't say <laughs> where the head is. But you see, that's the thing is. We tend to bring our culture, our way of growing up, we bring all of that into reading the scriptures. And if we don't study it, we will interpret the scriptures according to that. 
in the church. I'm talking about Christians. One lady came to the pastor and she said, the Lord said to me, I must divorce my, my husband. So the pastor said to her, where did, you, where did you find this? She says, it's in the Bible. She says, show me. And then she opened up the Bible where it says, put off the old man. <laughs> How many of you know that that's not what that scripture means? But isn't it a good example? I will interpret the Bible subjectively according to my desires and my needs. Put off the old man. See, this is how we come to the Bible. If we do not study it, that might be an extreme example. But I promise you, we interpret the word according to our lenses that we have on if we do not study the word. You will read all kinds of things out of the Bible that it never meant. And if you do that, you've got to realize the Bible cannot mean what it never meant. And if it means anything, it means nothing. Isn't that amazing to think about that? If we come with our subjective understanding to the word, we will have wrong motives. We will either use the word as a power tool. God said. Now, God gave me the scripture and he said, and I remove all responsibility from that. But if I studied that word, I can really say what it what, this is the principle that we're taking out of this word, and I think this is what God is saying to you. I come humbly to the word, and I don't make it say something for you. How dangerous is that, that it would never meant. So I want to use it as a power tool. Or I use it as a prop. It must confirm something. I have a desire I have an understanding. I want to buy that car. I never want to buy a car. Uh, I want to buy... Hmm. Shoes. <laughs> there we go. I want to buy those shoes. <laughs> but I should actually use that money for something else. Oh, that's so real. <laughs> but, you know, now I, God said, I see the... This is red shoes and I see... The blood of Jesus <laughs> makes me think of red. That's a con Jesus died. Blood of Jesus, I can buy red shoes. That, that's how ridiculous we get. You see, the church is full of subjective understanding of the word of God. That is why we have this incredible prosperity Teachings that's all over the place. That is completely, I mean, just 
let me not name people, but you can just go to YouTube right here in South Africa or some of the centurion and you'll, and you'll just... And you'll just see how, I mean, I listen to this guy, but I, 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 I don't because it upsets me so much. And I'm, I'm preaching to Louis the whole day. And then he says to me, listen, I do read my Bible because <laughs> I'm so upset with this guy because he reads. And then he says, this is what it means. And he reads, and then this is what it means. And it's, it's rubbish. It's rubbish. Never means that. Never meant that at all. But you see, God said, and I want it to mean something. I want it to confirm it's a prop. It's a prop to me because I want to communicate something. I want to communicate you should give more. That's fantastic prosperity teaching. You should give more. So I use all the scriptures, even if it doesn't, even if it's completely out of context, I will use those scriptures so that you should give more. And I manipulate the people, the sheep. I manipulate them that way. Man, there is a scripture that says the leaders will be judged more. But we've lost our fear of God because we don't read the Bible. Let me read to you the parable of the sower quickly. A farmer went out to sow his seeds. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop. Some multiply 30, some 60, some 100 times. Whoever has an ear, hear. Let them hear. See, the parable of the sower talks about the condition of your heart. There's nothing wrong with the seat. There's nothing wrong. I don't have my Bible. This is my Bible. There's nothing wrong with the word of God. There's nothing wrong with the seat. But there's a lot wrong with the condition of our hearts. Some of our hearts is shallow because we are not rooted in the word. So the seed, we hear a wonderful sermon and it makes me feel good for two or three days and then it's lost. Because it's shallow. My heart is shallow. Sometimes I sit in church and I hear a wonderful sermon and I'm all excited. It's not that I don't want to hear the word of God. I hear the word of God. But you see, I live a double life with one foot in the world and one foot in the word because, you know, I'm not reading my Bible, so I'm not studying so that it can transform my life, so that I do not mess around with the world and wonder and try and comfort my flesh. No. Then the weed comes and I expose myself to weed and I think I will stand 
I do not want to study my word and I think I can navigate myself through life. That's arrogance and pride. But yet, one of the seeds, some of the seeds fell on good ground. And there was a multiplication of the, of the harvest of that word in their lives. See, if you want a multiplication, 30, 60, 90, 100, you've got to make sure you come to the word with a humble heart. You say, Lord, I don't know. Let me take off my lenses. I don't want to come to your word applying it without understanding it. Because if I understand it, it will change my life. Because the word of God is powerful. I want to read this last scripture. Sorry, I have a new phone. I have no idea how it works. But the guys, you know, thought this is a good buy for me. (laughs) It's an iPhone. I don't know what the eye is all about. All that iPhone has is speed, it's all. Okay, 2 Timothy, let's not get distracted now. (laughs) 2 Timothy 4, listen to the scripture. For the time will come, this is Paul teaching Timothy, the time will come, Timothy, when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears wants to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myth. That's the Bible. See, if we we are not rooted in the word of God, the winds are going to come. And if you're not rooted, it will blow you all over the place. It is no wonder our young people are the loneliest generation who has ever lived Harvard study. Ever lived. They are lonelier than old people in an old age home. It's no wonder that we have two new types of depressions that's added to the scale now. It's called Facebook depression, and it's called Google, um, I'm going to get it now. It's like Alzheimer's. Is it amnesia? <laughs> people don't think for themselves anymore. 
They can't think. They say this, people can't think anymore. They can't reason anymore. They, they can just read because the information is coming so quickly. Isn't that incredible? So now we're saying to people, come and dig into the Word of God. But you see, they'll rather just jump around. Go watch all those YouTube videos. All those latest and greatest sermons. You cannot live of somebody else's revelation. You cannot. <laughs> you got to dig into the word, the Logos word. And you got to meditate on that. And you got to let that word change your life because of the principles that is taught in that word. You cannot live of somebody else's revelation. Psalm 119 is fantastic. Just go read it and meditate on the whole Psalm 119. That should keep you busy for a year. <laughs> you have laid, I'm just going to read randomly out of Psalm 119. You have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. Cause me to understand the way of your precepts, that I may meditate on your wonderful deeds. My soul is weary with sorrow. Strength, strengthen me according to your word. I remember, Lord, your ancient laws, uh, and I find comfort in them. You, your decrees are the theme of my song wherever I lodge. In the night, Lord, I remember your name, that I may keep your law. This has been my practice. I obey your precepts. Lord, turn my heart towards your statures and not towards selfish gain. Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. All your words are true. All your righteous laws are eternal. And there's loads of, of just how the psalmist just digs in and just talks about the word and what it means to them. Now, I want to say, when you got saved, you received the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, you won't even be able to confess Jesus as Lord. So you received the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is a seal within us that teaches us. So when we come to the Word, we study the Word, the Holy Spirit comes and enlightens that Word, and it becomes revelation, and it changes my life. There's a scripture that says, you diligently study, in John, you diligently study the scriptures, these scriptures who teach about me, but you refuse to come to me for eternal life. So the scripture, the Holy Spirit comes and it leads. The scripture teaches me about the Father, teaches me about the covenant, teaches me about Jesus and who he is, what he's done for me, who I am in him. Teaches me about relationship with Christ. It's not a dead word. It is a word that has life. And the Holy Spirit will come and enlighten that word for you as you study it. 
I'm not talking about a word without the Holy Spirit because then I'm not teaching the word. It's what the word says. That we might be a people of a sound doctrine because why is it so important to know the word? And this is my last point. And I promise, Louis, I actually won't go here because um, this I love beautiful words. And I've learned this beautiful word of late. And whenever I have an opportunity, I, I talk about it. So sorry if you hear it for the 10th time. But there's this word when Paul talks about a sound doctrine. It's called dialogical. It's a fantastic word. Dialogical means that it both implies and depends on one another. That's what the word means. It is used in the context of um, the uh, of Titus. We I, I I studied when we studied Titus for the Ladies' Day, in the context of Titus, where the people were living with a half gospel. They were. They were learning about one half of the gospel and not about the other half of the gospel. So they were walking around with a half theology all over the place. And what Paul was saying to Titus, he says, teach them a complete gospel. In other words, that whatever your theology is, that it will imply and depend on what your deeds would be. And whatever your deeds is, that it will imply and depend on what your theology is. You see, so when I approached the Bible and I studied the Word, it changes my theology or it teaches theologies the study of God. So it teaches me about God. And that inevitably has an action. So when I study about God, when I learn, I also do. So when you approach the Bible, you study the Word. You realize, and you come prayerfully, humbly to the Word. <coughs> okay, I have to stop now. My, my voice is going. You come humbly and prayerfully to the Word with an understanding that the Holy Spirit will teach you. With an understanding that whatever you learn, it's not so that you can become a fat Christian because then you're not learning the, the real Word. But it is that you would actually action. That your Christianity will be a dialogical Christianity. That it, your deeds and your theology will both imply and depend on one another. Isn't that fantastic? Just, just to think about that. I cannot believe what I do not act. I cannot act what I do not believe. Let's close our eyes. I want us right here where you are at. I want you to freshly say, on, just out of a humble heart, say, Lord, teach me your word. Teach me your word, Lord. I repent, Lord, for coming to your word with my subjective understanding. The church is full of that. It's creating harm and chaos. 
I want to come to you, Lord, with a humble heart. Teach me your word. Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, right now. Give us a hunger and a thirst for your word. Let your word become like a whirlwind inside of us that we will desire to study your word, that we will put our laziness aside because we can't get the quick information. Come, Holy Spirit, stir our hearts. Reveal to us who you are, Lord, what you've done for us, Jesus. Reveal to us your will, our purpose, all written in your word. I wonder if you can, if I can be this bold and just say, right there, nobody is really going to ask you this, but just you and the Lord. I want to make some form of a commitment. Because this can't be just a cute word. Make a commitment right here. Right now. Say, Lord, I want to study your word. There's great Bibles out there that will help you. There's great tools out there. You have no excuse. Lord, stir our hearts. Let us never be the same again. Let us not walk out of this building thinking, oh, that, that was a nice word, because that's not the purpose, Lord. Stir our hearts, Holy Spirit, do not <coughs> leave us alone. May the hound of heaven chase us. Stir our hearts. Let it burn inside of us to read and study your word so that we can, that your word would fall on good grounds and not on shallow or weedy ground. Now come Holy Spirit right now. Revive our hearts. I saw a prophetic word. You can look up. And with this, I close. I've said it three times now already, did I? But um, I saw a prophetic word. I don't know how many of you have seen Shrek. You've seen Shrek. Everybody's seen Shrek. So there's this, this disgusting scene in Shrek where he takes out the wax out of his ears and then he lights it up. It's like completely disgusting. We all went like, ugh, in the movie. But it feels to me as if God wants to take out the wax out of our ears because we do not hear him. We do not really hear him. We hear ourselves and we want to say it is him. And prophetically, I pray that over your speak that may 
God, come and take out the wax out of our ears so that we can hear him for the truth who he is, what he wants to do, what his purpose is for your life in this world. Will you receive that word? Just do this. Then I did everything funny. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. I don't know. I, am I giving over to you? Can, so thank you very much for allowing me to give you this word. I know it's not a feel-good sermon, but I'm not good at that. <laughs>